Hi and welcome back to Video Drone. My name's Fraser. And my name's Craig. This episode's going to be part one of our Mad Max special. And so what we'll review in this episode will be Stone and also Mad Max. Right, welcome back to Video Drone. Uh, we're going to have a few special episodes um, rolling out here now, which are all leading up to the release of Mad Max Fury Road. Indeed, yeah. Craig came up with the idea that we should watch all the Mad Max movies, and then eventually, in the next couple of months, when mm -hmm. uh, Fury Road gets released, we'll grab that at the cinema, and then we'll do a review of that as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, we're going to do, obviously, Mad Max 1, Mad Max 2, and Beyond Thunderdome. But also, um, to, to kick it off, we thought we'd take a step further back mm -hmm. into sort of Mad Max's precursor. dad, precursor, uh, which would be Sandy Harbutt's Stone. Indeed, yes. Um, first came across Stone. I remember seeing the video cover back in the day mm -hmm. at, at the local uh, video emporium back in about 82, <laughs> 83 uh, on the old VTC label. Mm -hmm. Never got to see it. And never got to see it until literally before we just sort of yeah. recorded this pod. Indeed, yeah. Um, it was brought back to my attention again when we watched uh, Not Quite Hollywood, which mm -hmm. is the excellent documentary uh, about the Australian exploitation scene in, in the mm -hmm. 70s yeah. and the uh, 80s. Uh, and so both of us have watched it in the last week, and we're mm -hmm. going to give you the lowdown on the 1974 Not Quite Epic <laughs> Stone. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So it was came out in seventy four in Australia, mm -hmm. directed directed and starring by uh, Sandy Harbour. Sandy Harbour, yeah. Yeah, I don't mm -hmm. know if he wrote it as well. Probably I think he did. wrote it to count the credits. Yeah. Um, it, speaking of credits, strange credits in this film. Um, the, the one of the weirdest titles I've ever seen: Rock and Roll by Billy Green. <laughs> right, not yeah. not music by Billy Green or by you know whatever band it was, but Rock and Roll by Billy Green. Particularly when you consider some of the film, the music in the film isn't really rock and roll, particularly. No, no, There's a no. bit of like sort of hillbilly-esque Dukes of Hazard style music in uh, there, a bit of synth. Shit-kicking music, <laughs> uh, for want of a better word, yeah. Um, but I love no, that description. But um, yeah, I'll, so basically what, what the film centres around is this uh, bike gang in, in mm -hmm. Australia, the Gravediggers. Mm -hmm. um, they get into a bit of bother and one by one they're getting bumped off in a variety of interesting ways. As yeah. Heads coming off and car crashes and all sorts uh, some of the most in your face moments like in terms of the gang getting bumped off in like the first oh, first few ten, minutes six yeah. to ten minutes of the film yeah. <laughs> so uh, obviously with them being a sort of rebel outlaw motorcycle club uh, not really driving <laughs> Harley Davidson's merely Kawasaki's <laughs> but um, never mind uh, yeah the, the one I'm not to do with the man the police but eventually um, Stone our eponymous hero is welcomed, welcomed into the gang, would Indeed. you say? It, as a policeman. Kind of yeah, yeah he, he does go through an initiation, but as a policeman with longer hair, he's uh, brought into the gang and <laughs> said, You're all right. You, he's got the look. He's got the look. He's <laughs> a cool guy. Yeah, you can hang out with us until we find out who's bumping us off, sort of thing. And that's basically the, the sort yeah. of plot of the film. I mean, they are, of course, like, uh, you know, there's quite a few of them quite against it from the beginning, but they do welcome They take in. a vote, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, 
and then he's, he's kind of uh, in in the gang and they say don't get in our way and uh, we'll not kick your teeth in I think that's the way they put <laughs> something it something like that something yeah. along those lines <laughs> but I mean when he's first introduced in the film the, mm-hmm. this character of Stone I mean I don't know what he, he reminds me of Captain Kronos yes he does doesn't he do you know what I mean yeah but I... he looks kind of debonair compared to the, the rough and ready mm. motorcycle gang he's got slightly effeminate features and, very much so yeah and he's probably <laughs> riding, riding in in white isn't he yeah he doesn't exactly have the leathers on and he keeps the white gloves so you can tell who's who when they're driving about in the motorcycles and whatnot. but it's kind of an issue, an, an initiation scene in, in terms of like later on they kind of make them put on the sort of like uh, oh, they get his colours yeah he gets his colours and they sort of uh, ribbon them and kind of uh, then they give him a piercing don't they and put the, the gravedigger's um, earring in yeah. his ear um, but they're a, they're a strange bunch the actual bikers themselves aren't they really very much so because like some of them are kind of like what you would expect a typical biker to look like and others just look like mad hippies really oh, one looks like <laughs> Coffin Joe and he sleeps yes, he in does. a coffin and he actually sleeps <laughs> in a coffin yeah amusingly what's, what's he called again he's Dr. Death Dr. Death so <laughs> appropriately the, the, the leads um, actually Sandy Harbour does play the lead of the gang uh, mm. the Undertakers and he's just called Undertaker yeah um, and he's got a lot of colourful gang names yeah I mean he looks he looks the um, the business he does. The second in command, um, um, Toad. Toad, yes, which was Hugh Keysburn. Hugh Keysburn, Hugh yeah. Keysburn, who sorry. also obviously crops up in the original Mad Max as yeah. well, and he is just exactly the same almost as he mm. is in, in in Mad Max, getting up the mischief. Indeed. Um, and he's a good character as well. He's a good actor. So a bit uh, less scenery chewing than he is in Mad Max. I this guess. is true, yeah, but he doesn't have to carry the film. But um, true. No, so what did you do? You enjoy the film? I did. Then? I did. It's it's a crazy film. It really is. I mean, it's. It's really bonkers in places. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it starts off, you know, kind of looking like a sort of uh, almost like a typical kind of like biker exploitation film. But then it goes, it goes in some strange directions, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, um, it's it's just a, a very unusual mix. I mean, like things like the, the funeral scene. Oh, you mean when there's a big sort of uh, when they're all driving, there's just millions of bikers. Yeah, but the. The whole oh, the whole oh, the, the scene whole, in the cemetery, yeah, 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 the, yeah. The, the cemetery scene with the Satanism angle. Yeah, and then the cops turn up. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cops turn up, and he's like, and he's basically saying, uh, "Oh, piss off, cops! You know, you don't want to. You're hustling us. You're hustling us. They're religious minorities. Yeah, <laughs> Satanists have rights too. You know. Oh, exactly. <laughs> but but it's just so Gonzo that scene where he's shouting, "Satan! Yeah, accept your brother into your arms. Accept our brother into your arms." And you know, we we buried him standing up so he doesn't have to take any crap from the evil one lying down. <laughs> It's, really it, it is. it's a peculiar <laughs> film because I mean um, the hero cop Stone he's a bit more hippie-ish really he they is. all seem a bit more hippie-ish mm. rather than down and dirty that's right. bikers you know what I mean um, yeah. but I, I, that's what I was wanting to say it's kind of a film that's got a mixed up identity yeah. because, because of the music there being all over the place the fact uh-huh. that they don't necessarily seem like typical bikers it's almost like they didn't quite do the sort of research in that sort of culture. Mm. I mean, <laughs> well, they've got a few different cultures mixed well, up together. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's an Australian film, so mm. we're probably True. not. I've seen that many bike, like US yeah. biker films. Most of them are sort of probably common produced anyway. I've seen The Wild Angels, obviously mm. Easy Rider, but I don't sort of count that in. Good one. Oh no, that's that's a different kind of fish altogether. <laughs> we might get into that one. Yeah, time. we might do. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the the start off of the film, the. The credit scene, it's, it's really well done. It's sort of mm. staccato, sort of not, not in music, just the, the yeah. image, isn't it? It keeps going to a freeze frame, uh-huh. and then the guy loses his head. <laughs> Absolutely, and he starts... And, and do you want to talk a bit about the soundtrack there? Because he had some interesting points about what the soundtrack Oh, right, yeah. Like. The whole start of the film, um, when you're first introduced to the bikers anyway, 
And the reason they get into trouble is they get implicated in a, an assassination plot. Um, but the music at the start, to me, and the, we both came up with this independently, starts like, sounds like sort of the sound effects on the early Space Invaders games. Yeah. And that eventually gives way to an Aboriginal didgeridoo, didgeridoo drone. Yeah. yeah, so peculiar. It and then is considering, weird. as you mentioned before, the credit was rock and roll by, Billy not Green. music by, rock and roll by. <laughs> yeah, that's just odd, odd. But I like, um, I like this whole credit, credit sequence and the, the fact that the uh, stone logo is like a, is loads of exhausts kind of bunched together to make a to make the title. Yeah, quite like, quite like that. And definitely sort of seventies logo. Mm. But as we'll come to talk about in Mad Max later, the logos. Are very much of, of um, very similar, very similar, yeah. Similar so that's why we definitely see, obviously with the cast members as well. Certain mm-hmm. cast members carried over to Mad Max. Yeah, there's so many bits that sort of link up that you know a stone couldn't be anything but sort of um, a big influence yeah. on on, um, on George that, Miller yeah. and uh, Byron Kennedy. So, the, what did you think of the fight scenes in the film? The fight scenes are uh, pretty good. They're, they're pretty good for the most part, but there is one quite funny bit where um, somebody's somebody's basically lifted up and thrown into the back of a flatbed. Oh, then, you, then two seconds later he's not there. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, what, no, I, what I did notice was that um, it's very rehearsed. It's very much like... It's like a wrestling move, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Ah, uh, yeah. You will <laughs> land on your back. You will not land on your head, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah it's like they're very neatly placed in the back. But it doesn't look very violent. But no, the rest of the fight scene's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Um, mean, I think a lot of the sort of bike and gang films of like the seventies and eighties have some really good fight scenes. Even now, you know, we used to see in very choreographed and slick stuff these days. And that oh, these fit it's, in. it's all martial arts these yeah, days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That doesn't fit in with a proper gang movie. It doesn't fit in with a proper yeah. fight full stop, no, really. it doesn't. I yeah. mean, one, I don't want to get too far away from Stone here, but one film that did that really well, included martial arts in a gang film, and did it brilliantly, was Deadbeat at Dawn. Right. Because it's, it's not over the top, it's like done in a believable way. Right. And I really like that, but there's no, not many films can do that, really. No. Once you've got somebody jumping up and doing kicks at people's faces, it all gets a bit like... Ah, yeah. You know, that a real street fight wouldn't be like that. No. But I did think that for the most part, we did a good good job with those fight scenes. They look kind of chaotic and, mm-hmm. you know, quite well done. What do you think about the... Uh, this, we're going back to what we said about the opening, where, um, what I don't know if we... Did we mention this, that one of the characters was tripping at the beginning? Yes, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. And it, there was what I refer to in my notes as druggo vision. <laughs> yeah, oh, so yeah, it's got like you a filter these, on it and yeah, it's all wibbly wobbly. Hallucinogenic yeah. sort of scenes, and there's, uh-huh. a, there's a dope smoking scene later as and well. Yeah, it's the wide angle lens and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> they, they do that quite often in these sorts of films. They do. But uh, yeah, no, that that was good as well. Um, there's, it's a, some bits of the film are quite chaotic, and then other bits are quite sedate, and it kind of feels, you know, like it, it sort of really just slows down for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But it's always entertaining. Yeah, yeah. And that's the main thing, really, is that it's a, it's a wacky film, and I couldn't say, you know, it's by any stretch of the imagination a brilliant film. No, no. But it's very entertaining. Oh, it's very entertaining. I mean, considering what's it's 40 year old now, 41 year old or whatever. Yeah, dear. Um, really, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you think about that, it's. Uh-huh, a... Yeah, when you put it like that, it's like, oh my God. But yeah, it's it, it's pure entertainment. It's down and dirty. It's gritty. It's low budget. The, the crashes are crashes, basically. Yeah. I mean, that bit, I mean, I know they make a big point of it in uh, Not Quite Hollywood when the guy goes off the cliff oh, right. on the bike, mm-hmm. and that happens very early in the film. But it's, it's like still six a, minutes in. Yeah, it's a like great that, stunt. Like, it is, really. It really is good. I mean, obviously, it, any stunts in this, I would say some of them certainly got topped in Mad Max, but um, yeah. yeah, it definitely sets sets the, um, sets the sets benchmark. The bar. Yeah, sets the bar for it. And then... Uh, and when Stone comes off his bike as well, mm. that's quite good when they're having the sort of drag, well, not drag race, but the race around the sort of 
the houses to to see if he's up to scratch up the mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, and it's all good stuff. And some of the way the they shoot the bikes as well, mm-hmm. it's all ported over to Mad Max. You know, you've yeah. seen the speedo giving it what fat uh, for want of a better word. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I, I did enjoy it. I um, did as well, and I think it's. You know, I hadn't really um, known that much about the background of the film. I hadn't seen uh, Not Quite Hollywood, and I and I'd I'd heard the name, but I hadn't really known that much about it to be honest with you. So it was it was interesting for me. Um, Fraser kind of gave us a bit more of it, sort of education about the background of it and and stuff. And that. I didn't um, really have any expectations going in. No. So it was it was quite nice to see and um, just sort of you know without a lot of research, just coming in fresh and. But I mean, certainly when we knew we were going to go through the Mad Max films, I thought mm-hmm. that's. I hadn't seen it. I knew of it, but I didn't mm. know. Now watching it, seeing how many little things that you know that have yeah. not been nicked, but just sort of been pushed mm-hmm. forward into, into Mad Max as well as being probably half the cast or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I don't think the director did much afterwards. The no, Sandy Harbour. No, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, the film was a success. Yeah, I mean, it's it it would seem that it's um it's got a bit of a sort of cool phone and there's a bit of a legend built up about it. I'm judging by some of the comments and things online. Oh, there's documentaries about mm. it and all sorts, yeah. yeah so. And as you say, it popped up in, in Not Quite Hollywood, which mm-hmm. was uh, which was a sort of focus of. But but yeah, I mean, all, all in all, I'd have to say it was a pretty enjoyable film, especially given its low-budget roots and the fact that it's, it's, you know, um, it's a product of its time, I guess. Oh, I did definitely, yeah. And I mean, like, I would love to... I mean, I definitely want to watch more biker films. As, you know, yeah, if it's, half as entertaining as this... Really? Yeah, I mean, I've seen some stuff as... But I haven't really sort of um, sort of dug around it to to find all all, all the sort of gems if there are any. Yeah, um, the last bike movie I watched was Werewolves on Wheels. <laughs> yeah, and there's not many werewolves in that. Um, but yeah, it's part um, of yeah, it's an well, no, it's a different film altogether. But no, um, I'll definitely sort of yeah, I can see I, I quite enjoyed Stone. So same here, yeah. Uh huh. And I Definitely. always remember. I mean, I do remember that original cover where it was the. It's the. It's the colours, isn't it? It's yeah. It's a skull with the old Anzac hat on it, you know, mm-hmm. sort of up at one side and, and then the brim over the other. Sure. Um, and the, even the even the um, the box said before Mad Max, so that sparked my interest, you know, thirty mm-hmm. years ago nearly. Um, yeah. So I've always wanted to see it. Although I remember some of my little pals at the time saying, "Ah, oh, no, it's rubbish." That and it's like, well, what do they know? Exactly. Well, what do you know when you're 10 or 11 anyway exactly. but, uh, the thing is though I mean like when we were that age mm-hmm. the video shop well let us rent films that we shouldn't rent out but Absolutely. they wouldn't give us the horror stuff but yeah. the post-apocalyptic stuff uh, you know all, all which the, all you know, the arguably stuff. just as bad a lot some of, the of the bad Italian uh, golfers yeah some of, some of them were pretty bad weren't always horror films were they no 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 but then um, <laughs> yeah no so yeah we were allowed to get our mitts on this at the at a young age and uh, but it's taken quite a while for me to get a hold of this one haven't mm-hmm. actually but yeah, same here but yeah we've we both quite enjoyed it and um, if you're a fan of sort of uh, low budget films uh, biker films and sort of uh, that that sort of stuff I recommend giving it a shot yeah cool cool so yeah moving on that was Stone and that was before Mad Max according to the video box and now we'll have <laughs> a look at Mad Max um, mm-hmm. 1979 Australian obviously George Miller at the helm with a very young Mel Gibson in it. Pretty much the beginning of his career, really. He yeah. did some stuff before he, that, but yeah, just, a few, just, just a few, few things. Like yeah. This was like, um, he was in his early 20s and probably hadn't done that much, but this was definitely what brought him to the attention of people. Yeah, so according to the box, in the ravaged near future, a savage motorcycle gang rules the road, terrorising innocent civilians while tearing up the streets. 
The ruthless gang laughs in the face of a police force hell-bent on stopping them, but they underestimate one officer, Max Rokotansky. And when the bikers brutalise Max's best friend and family, they send him into a mad frenzy that leaves him with only one thing left in the world to live for. Revenge. Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good summary, actually, because a lot of the we talked about this earlier. A lot of DVD boxes tend to get it wrong quite a lot. Yeah, it's quite surprising, really, but they do. Yeah. Um, so the film kicks off pretty quickly um, with a high-speed chase and spectacular stunts right from the outset. Oh yeah, it's, uh, it it lays it all out straight away. Straight away, yeah. and you can you get a good sense of the, the sort of uh, death divine stunts that you're going to get throughout the rest of the movie with some pretty. Crazy stuff from the outset. Oh yeah, uh-huh. I mean like the caravan being smashed through by the car. And, oh yeah, and all that sort of stuff. And <clears throat> at the beginning, the MFP, the main force patrol, uh, which is you know the the cops that uh, Max uh-huh. is part of, uh, they're in pursuit of a character called the Night Rider, and basically um, you know they're they're trying to stop him at all costs. And he and he has a sort of fatal crash where he switches his Night Rider onto his car and then does a spectacular turn and mm-hmm. blows up pretty much. But this whole chase, it lasts for minutes and minutes, and while the chase is going on, you're slowly being introduced to this yes. figure, which turns out to be Max, who drives an interceptor car. All the other ones are pursued vehicles. And his He's the, the interceptor. He's the bad boy. Uh, and it, <laughs> it's about a good ten minutes before you even see yeah. Mel Gibson's face. We see face. the interior of his car and yeah, his gloves him, on. Yeah, getting sort of suited up, suited and, and booted. At, and at that point, we're, um, we're more with uh, Goose, uh, which is his friend, uh-huh. Um, and you know, Goose is quite an important character, and he's the catalyst for a lot of the violence that comes later when something bad happens to him. Because um, he's a he's a motorcycle cop, isn't that's he? That's right. Yes, yeah. and he's he's in pursuit on his bike. He comes off his bike and radios some of the others, doesn't he? Yeah. <clears throat> and in this scene, um, like I say, we get a we get a sort of a taste of just just how mental some of the stunts are going to be. Really. Yeah. <laughs> so because the uh, the guy that chasing gets killed, it it sort of ignites the rest of the gang that he belongs to. to to come along and sort of chase down the, the police right. involved and, and that's why things go from bad to worse for, for, we, for our hero. And we get introduced to the tow cutter, played fantastically by Hugh Keysburn. Um, Who was in stone, obviously. Indeed, yes. Um, and he, he brings the right amount of scenery tune to the role, definitely. Uh-huh. He's fantastic. That scene uh, when one of his henchmen gets killed and he just goes... Oh, and he hisses. Okay, hisses yeah, uh, it's nice. like sort of feral, sort of crazy cat type thing. <laughs> and he's uh, he's a lot more threatening than the rest of the gang. I mean, the rest of the rest of the gang they're all called sort of like Mud Guts, Night Rider, and Bubba, and Johnny the Boy, and stuff. <laughs> I mean, Night Rider's a little bit threatening, even though you mainly you mainly scenes with him driving in his car. There's a scene where he kind of smacks his lips when he sees a child in the road, like he's going to. Yeah, yeah, he's going to get and some he's, points here. Yeah, he's he pretty, bottles uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> he's pretty um, crazy looking. But a lot of the other characters are, are a bit camp and a bit goofy. Yeah. Bubba, who is who is like the kind of henchman of Toko, like the main henchman, is right hand man. Yeah, the lieutenant. He's, L- he's, he's a, a little bit more. He's a bit nasty. Yeah, he's got a look, a bit of a sort of evil eye. Sort but of some thing. of them do come off as a bit of camp and goofy. Yeah. Really. But yeah, um, the scenes with with the gang just on their own, sort of you know doing stuff, set a scene where they're sort of messing about with the mannequin and different things are no. a bit odd. Yeah. But other than that, for the most part, especially when they're like a unit and they're together, they are kind of threatening. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean that scene where they sort of uh, brutalize the couple and totally destroy the car, and then the chasing, uh, they the then the, the guys trying to get away. That's pretty effective. I mean that's that's to me we discussed this previously that it, it it's sort of like Texas Chainsaw. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I know George Miller isn't Can a big they... fan of showing too much violence, and it's mm-hmm. violence against a machine rather than the actual people themselves. Exactly, They're screaming yeah. the heads off, a bit like Texas Chainsaw. There's a lot of screaming, and but there's, there's like not claustrophobic nothing... shots of the faces screaming exactly. like right towards the camera. Yeah, handheld cameras. Exactly. And yeah. You're not seeing anybody getting stabbed or hit. It's mm-hmm. just there's very just little terrible. In the film, really, isn't there? There's, a, there's a little bit, a little but, bit but, but not but really compared to. No, it's not a horror film. It, it it's an action film more than anything else. But there are, like I say, um, scenes like that which which do, are shot in a sort of horror movie type of way, and there's more than just that scene with the um, couple. There's also the scenes um, where Max is um, Max goes to the hospital uh, after Goose is attacked. Yeah, and we see his shock as as his arm falls off the sort of gurney and it's revealed to be like horribly burned. Yeah. And he also has a nightmare where he springs awake and it's sort of the camera like goes sharply into focus right mm-hmm. in his face. And there's a kind of misty effect over his face that like the sort of reveal or dissolve you'd get in a yeah. in a horror Looks movie like as well. A double X yeah. Uh-huh. Um double and printed. Those are quite effective and they also have a jarring noise on the soundtrack or music sort of turning well, into a cacophony of sound. Yeah, I think you'd you'd rather do that run yeah. rather than show you and the show you loads of gore. Yeah, exactly. Which is which is good because it, it does work as well. It it's does, really, yeah. really effective. Mm-hmm. Um there's <laughs> we've got to mention that that uh, club scene. <laughs> club scene. Oh, it's just yeah. yeah we're in the quieter parts of the film. Yeah, yeah. There's there's this really odd club scene with this toothy singer, uh, who basically wants to eat goose alive. <laughs> it's pretty odd stuff that bit. But it's kind of uh, I'll whack with the rest of the film, but it but it's it's just you know, kind of amusing that. Bit. Yeah. There's also that uh, impromptu saxophone. I was going to say, has that got saxophones in that scene? Yeah. <laughs> it's the, uh, well, it's the scene in wife's... Max's home. Yeah. Where Max is, uh, it's just kind of what's he doing? Is he just sort of looking after the baby looking after the baby just talking about work and stuff and how it's affecting them a little bit and I'm sure that baby's playing with a revolver yeah we talked about this we before did, yeah. I, I can't I can't remember the exact scene I think that after review it's I'm very early on in the film when when they're playing with it, but the baby's just known as Sprog or mm. the Sprog <laughs> have a watch of the film and just I'm sure he's playing with it it's not a toy gun it looks like a huge <laughs> revolver you know it's it like a little thing. subliminal thing that yeah, yeah, see if yeah. the spot was real or not bizarre but uh, no it's um yeah so i mean sort of really i mean i don't know in some respects that the first chase is like so good mm. the rest of the film's got a lot to sort of live up to but it does but go it along does actually, a hell yeah. of a pace it really does and i mean it's only uh, 90 odd minutes long and it's really well paced i mean there's no room to get bored in this film whatsoever no um the, there's a lot of interesting characters in the mfp as well as the gang uh, you've got uh, Fifi, who's the kind of uh, chief or captain. Played by Roger Ward, who mm-hmm. again was one of the, the, the heavies in uh, Stone. I think everyone who's seen this film will remember a scene where he's kind of uh, watering his plant. Yeah, as you do. He's a, <laughs> the biggest butcher's fella you've ever seen, but he's, he, he's, he's shirtless. He's shirtless, with, but with a tie. Yeah, if of I remember course. Right yeah. Right. Uh, and he's, uh, and he's, caring, he's sort of caringly, um, lovingly caring for his plant. And uh, that's, that's quite a good scene, because that has the classic... Um, we've got to, we've got to give them back our their heroes speech, mm-hmm. um, which sounds really crazy in the dubbed version. Yeah, <laughs> is, we haven't talked about the dub. No, yet, they have haven't we? talked about the dub. Yeah, because um, obviously, um, as people who are familiar with the film will know, in the early eighties um, when it was brought to America, it was dubbed. Yeah, and um, they thought that a lot of audiences wouldn't be able to understand the Aussie accents. Crazy. So, which is pretty mad by today's stands when you think of it, but it was a different time, I guess. It was, yeah. Um, anyway, the um, most, dubbed it over. Yeah, my, most releases these days mm-hmm. have the option of either the dub yeah. or the original Australian language. 
And um, and it was actually only about two thousand and one when the DVD came out that you could get both tracks. Yeah, uh-huh. which is will be really weird to people who've seen this recently or you know coming to it for the first time or mm-hmm. maybe just even getting into films. See the younger uh, listeners, uh, but yeah, they they did that. And strangely enough, they never did that with the sequels. But, no, but let's not get into the sequels right now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, in this scene, Max says that he's worried he's just he's going to become just like the crazies that they're fighting on the road, and he's thinking about leaving. This is when he's talking to Fifi. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and he he basically expresses interest in quitting, and he says, "Well, you know, if you if you take take some time off with your girl and think about it, and yeah. if you really want to quit, well, you know, fair enough." Uh, but but he obviously never gets the chance to because things he spiral. Crossed, yeah, he crossed when he's on his jollies with his wife and kid. He, he crosses the crosses the bike gang and oh, yeah, and things, it does all go downhill. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so as as you could probably tell from the summary, um, you know, it's they they don't make it out of this film alive, and and hence the title. <laughs> it makes them it sets them on the warpath, and um, and then we get a kind of relentless like uh, final sort of a few reels of action which yeah, is pretty cool where he's just chasing the bike members down one by one indeed um, and offering them, them in various various uh, ways ways that result in fantastic stunt work aye um, some proper bone crunching stunts oh there is I this mean is the infamous how... motorbike to the back of the head well, I know that I, every time I watch that I just think how did he not get more hurt than he was yeah it just looks like the helmet wouldn't do anything <laughs> no, really. no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah I mean it's it was funny because I've I, pretty sure I saw Mad Max 2 before I saw Mad Max mm. well many Americans did according to uh, Lennon Matlin right because in Lennon Matlin's introduction for the second movie we're not getting into that too much in the, main, in the minute but he talks about the fact that a lot of people saw Mad Max 2 struck the word the word oh he caused they didn't even call it Mad Max in America because yeah. nobody had seen the first one exactly but it, I mean it was a hit all, probably all around the world apart from mm. in, in, in the States so yeah um, which is a real shame because it really did deserve I mean obviously it's got iconic status now and a lot, it's, it's probably uh, made a lot of its money back over the years but, oh god yeah but um, but certainly at the time uh, hardly anyone seen it which is probably part of the reason why they retitled it for the sequel um, the way the end scenes are shot are fantastic I love the um, the sort of angle at which they film the front of the car where you see Max's face in the hood Mm-hmm. And the kind of turbocharger thing, the, that's sticking the, through yeah, the, 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 the air intake, it? yeah, yeah, the air intake thing, um, and the way you sort of see him, it focuses on his face, he's sort of brow covered in sweat as he's kind of charging down the highway, yeah, and that end shot is fantastic as mm-hmm. well. After after the kind of um, after well, the, the, the finale of the, the film, finale isn't of it? the yeah. film, there's just a great shot at the end um, where he's sort of driving away from the carnage, fantastic, yeah. Um, and, there, and then there, the music what about the music it's really bombastic isn't it yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. it's really over the top but it kind of suits it oh yeah it definitely does and there's you know there's a lot of films that when you grow up they, they lose a lot of their appeal or you just don't think of them in the same way uh-huh. um, or you can't look at them the same way you did when you were younger but um, thankfully uh, Mad Max isn't one of those films I'm mm. pleased to say it's kept a lot of its appeal you know brilliant stunt work great cast and everyone just um, does the job fantastically and, and like I say the pacing the pacing's just perfect. And we, we talked about this um, a little while ago, is that so many films you get at the multiplex these days, like two hours and a half, and you could share 50 minutes yeah. with ease. Uh-huh. And it wouldn't matter to the to the overall plot. Um, this is just economical with everything, isn't it? Well, just low-budget movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Does what it says on the tin. And that's why I think, you know, I, I tend to sort of, you know, in, gravitate towards a lot of those, those films, is they don't, they don't sort of waffle. Yeah. Really... Um, any more thoughts? Nah, I think I think we've wrapped it up for Mad Max. We'll have to move Fantastic. on to Mad Max Two. Indeed. Cool.
We hope you'll join us again soon for part 2 of our Mad Max special, which will of course cover the rest of the movies in the series, Mad Max 2, Beyond Thunderdome and the upcoming Fury Road.